Today's episode is sponsored by my favorite weight loss and food program. If you're a busy bee all day long and you don't have time to eat, never mind think about food prepping, but you desperately want to lose weight and just feel better, this is for you. It's super easy to use. It's a system used on millions of people around the world. I know you'll love it. So you don't have to stay frustrated with your weight because it won't come off. You're doing all the things. Nothing's working. It's an easy grab-and-go program that really makes you feel better. Send me a message. I'll get you all the details. And now go enjoy this episode. Welcome to Addicted to the Climb. I am your host, Kelly Tyen. As a faith-fueled health and transformation coach, author, and breast cancer survivor, my mission is to provide you with the wisdom, the tools, and all the success tips that I've learned along my own journey in health, fitness, faith, and personal development. Plus, you'll hear some incredible and inspiring conversations that will motivate you and empower you to keep on climbing no matter what you're going through. Let's buckle up to start a brand new climb together and start showing up differently as we work our way to the top. Right now, this is your time to take in all the positivity and all the blessings that God has for you. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I know you're going to be blessed today from this conversation because it's going to be a great one. As you guys know, I love talking about marriage, relationships, and really just how to make them healthy. And maybe you're in a relationship that's not so healthy right now. Stay tuned and listen closely to this episode because God can make a way when there seems to be no way. So, my guest today, I met through a friend. Let's give our friend Jordan a shout out. Jordan Montgomery was just on my show a few weeks ago, and he's just an amazing person. He introduced us. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode. He was dropping so many amazing nuggets for you. So he's he is a gem. But I he introduced Jill Savage and I, and I just fell in love with what her messaging is, what she's all about. As I said, she is all about relationships. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before we dive in. So Jill Savage is an author and a speaker who is passionate about, as I said, relationships. She has been called one of today's most exciting female speakers. Her honest, engaging communication is strengthened by her her ability to make her audience laugh while they learn. Jill is the host of the No More Perfect podcast and the author of 14 books, including the best-selling No More Perfect Moms, No More Perfect Kids, Better Together, and No More Perfect Marriages. Jill and her husband, Mark, live in Illinois and have five children and eight grandchildren. Jill, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Yes. Well, I always say life is a climb. We're either on a climb, heading towards a climb, or just coming off a climb. So Mm -hmm. Jill, let me jump in and ask you, which one of those, where are you at right now with those? Oh, golly. Uh, Probably coming off a climb. 
um, I think in many areas of my life, like it's just, it, it's been a challenging 10 years and it was a 10 year climb. Uh, so I feel like I'm coming off of that. Well, that's amazing. And I can't wait to talk all about that before we jump in. I want to know your favorite Bible, Bible verse. I love asking my guests what their yeah. favorite is. And I always love writing them down. Um, my favorite is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is I, my favorite. It, Jill, is it? Yes. For, <laughs> for 20 years. I have yep. it on. Um, I have it on signs. I have pillows. My kids have pillows. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. is, it's, it's the strength. I mean, we, that's, that's a staple to say 30,000 times a day because we yes. all need strength always right in everything yes. we do. So great verse Philippians <laughs> 4, 13. If you don't know it, go read it, write it on an index card. It's life-changing. So it thanks. Is. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I want to start with your story, Jill, of how you got here. Were, what were your dreams as a child? Because I know all your accomplishments that I just talked about, and I want you to run through your story, but were you, did you dream as a kid to be an author or a speaker at one point, or did that happen? <laughs> I love finding that part out because a lot of times it, it, it wasn't that way, but mm -hmm. then there are a few that it was. So I'm interested. Yeah, no, not at all. I um, never, ever thought about writing. Um, I did enjoy speaking because I did um, speech contests when I was in uh, junior high and high school. And, um, and I won a few. So I knew that that was a place that, you know, I had a skill, but I still never thought of myself. Initially, what I wanted to be was um, a news reporter. And so that was my first like you know, what I thought I would do. And then when I got into high school, I made the decision to be a, a music teacher. And so that's what I went to college for. So I have a degree from Butler University in uh, choral music education. Piano voice was um, my primary, were my primary instruments. And so, yeah, that's what I thought I'd be doing. Amazing. But that's <laughs> not what I'm doing. <laughs> that is not what you're doing in life took its turns. So it let's, I, I want to hear how life took its turns, how God played a role in that. So let's dive in. Tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I found myself, so let's see, my husband and I got married between my freshman and sophomore years in college. So early I was 19, he was 23 and, um, my father had said that he would pay for my education. Like his wedding gift to us was I'll continue to pay for your education if you stay in school. So I was like, Oh, the carrots in front of me, I'm going, I'm going to finish school on my, on my dad's dime, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but 11 months into our marriage, the stick turned blue. And so our very first little savage came along and <laughs> I love that. I love so you were. So you were, did you say 11 months in? Into our marriage. Right. So you weren't, were you 20? I was 20. I was two weeks short of my 21st birthday when she was born. Wow. So yeah, I was 20. So, um, so anyway, I told my dad, I am taking one semester off 
to have this, this baby in February. And then I'm going right back to school. And he said, all right, if you do, I'll continue. And, um, got to my senior year, I was doing my student teaching was pregnant again, and, um, actually had our son on, um, my graduation day. So, um, I did not walk through graduation. They mailed me my diploma. And, um, at that point, uh, my husband had decided to go into ministry. So we moved with a two-year-old and a six-week-old to Lincoln, Illinois. So my husband could attend Lincoln Bible College. And our perfect plan was that I would do, I would find a teaching job and I would support the family while he went to school. So we kind of flipped roles. And um, it was a great plan, except I couldn't find a teaching job. I mean, I went within a, an hour radius of our home and I could, <clears throat> there wasn't anything available. And so I um, began to do daycare in my home. And as I did daycare in my home, I began to have an understanding of the importance of a, an intentional home environment. And so as I but I also realized that I felt better equipped to be a music teacher than I did to be a mother. And so I was like, I got to go to school on motherhood. So I began to read books and we eventually made a move to Bloomington, Illinois, which is where we still live, Bloomington, normal, Illinois. And, um, and I started a mom's group and honestly, it was just out of my own need. Um, there were eight of us in the mom's group, but within three to four years, there were uh, over 150 of us in that mom's group. And so I asked our church, could we do a conference for moms? Um, you know, our mom's group is really growing. And they were like, yeah, we've really seen it grow. Go ahead. You know, I said, well, you know, I used to go to teacher conferences and I, I learned how to do that and where they were, you know, as I was uh, finishing my degree. And I said, I feel like I need a mom conference. So we had our first conference. We thought three or 400 women would come and 1100 women came. And that's then insane. that's insane. It was insane. Yes. And, um, the next year, 2,800, the next year, 3,400, then 4,500, then 5,500 then 6,500. Okay. Hold on. Before we continue, you were doing something right, obviously to attract these people. I want to know that one thing you are doing because not everybody can get that many people into a room, first of all, as you know, and I just want you to tell us something about maybe some <laughs> of my listeners are trying to organize groups or I know it's off on a, a different note for a minute, but Jill, what do you think it was that was attracting these women? I think in the beginning, it was, um, we were hitting a niche that had not been really um, exploited in the uh, conference world. And that niche initially was stay-at-home moms. So that was our initial, like, Hey, this is a conference for stay at home moms. And so I think that we were scratching an itch that mm -hmm. people had. And, you know, this is, this is 1994. You need to understand there was no social media. There wasn't even email. 
Okay. When it started, email didn't exist. So we're literally talking word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think that the first thing was the niche and it was, uh, it was a niche that was untapped. The second thing though, I think that kept it growing. Like once they, there was that initial experience, the thing that kept it growing was authenticity. We talked about the real stuff of motherhood. We talked about, um, you know, we, it was a very practical event, but it was also very honest, very open. And I think women just were longing for that and they were attracted to that. And okay. so I, I think yeah. those two really made the difference I couldn't and, and, and prayer. I mean, let's, we'll put that at the top of the list, but you know, cause I do, I call it the, it was the organization I did not intend to start. And I didn't, I didn't set out to start an organization. I set out to do a one-time conference for moms. Right. So, you know, that, so hearts at home was the name of the organization and it, um, we actually, uh, existed for 24 years, uh, it closed its doors in 2017. We actually saw conference, uh, conference attendance began to, it was like a bell curve. It went high and then it went back down. And especially as the internet and people were getting their information online and they weren't as inclined. I mean, we also saw a decrease in like, you know, women of faith, like we were seeing our big height uh, at the same time that women of faith was seeing its uh, big height as well. And so, um, so that's ultimately how I became an author and a speaker, because I didn't, uh, you know, it, by about year six, we had publishers knocking on our door going, don't you think maybe a book is in order? Or would you have any interest in publishing? And, uh, you know, we we're like, gosh, we hadn't even thought about it. But gosh, books can go places we physically can't go. Mm -hmm. So, we were like, um, sure, let's begin to look at this. And so that's how I got started. And then the speaking, this is really kind of interesting. Um, so I always emceed the conferences and I might've done a workshop here and there, but we brought in like, um, big name, uh, keynote speakers and that kind of a thing. And so we were in year six and, uh, after the conference was over, the team, my team of leaders, all volunteers said to me, Jill, you just emceed your last conference. And I was like, you guys, was it really bad? Like, why have you not told me this? And they were like, oh no, 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 no. You're keynoting next year. And I was like, I'm not keynoting next year. I'm not a keynote speaker. And they're like, oh yes, you are. And these women want to hear from you. And that is how I started speaking. Like it wasn't, I didn't have the vision, but my team saw that and they called it out. And so I think it's so important that we call out the things that we see in other people because they often can't see that in themselves. Oh, I love that. That is so good. Yes. And, you know, I do want to say, I love what you said a little bit back that you started this whole organization in the first group, in the first conference out of your own need. And I think a lot of times women particularly find themselves stuck in alone and mm -hmm. isolated. And they say, well, I don't have friends. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And they stay stuck. 
And I want my women, because most of my listeners are women, I want you to know right now, if you feel stuck and you have a need, why not believe bigger that you can start something too and, and go for it and believe and bet on yourself the way Jill did? Because Jill is no different than you right now, sitting at your house or driving in the car right now with screaming babies in the back. I mean, listen, we have everything we need inside us to do these things, but a lot of times the fear takes over. And Jill, you stepped out of fear. It's amazing the lives that were transformed by you taking a chance on yourself, betting on yourself and letting God do the rest, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I think, yeah, and it really just started, really the whole thing started with just inviting a few moms to meet on a weekly basis so we could learn about motherhood together. That was it. And so you're right. I mean, I, I'll be honest, it was my own desperation mm -hmm. that started it. Um, but oftentimes we do the whole woe is me mm -hmm. and we don't take action. And sometimes the, the, you know, it can be the simplest action like, oh, I don't have any friends. Well, how about you be a friend? How about you reach out to someone and invite them out for coffee mm -hmm. and then reach out to someone else and invite them out for coffee. I can't promise you that all of those are going to develop into strong friendships, but you got to start fishing. You know, if you, Love if it. you want, if you want some, if you want to uh, benefit from it, you got to start putting your, your toe in the water and you got to start fishing in some ponds. And so I think that that makes uh, you know, I, I love that. I think it's super important that we uh, take action. Yes, I, I love it. Taking action is the key to the next step. That's that's where it starts, taking mm -hmm. that step in anything. But Jill, now I want to jump over into your marriage as a young girl and what happened during the time you were together, how it has evolved. I'd love for you to share with us that story of healing. Yeah. How it all happened with God by your side and how faith played a role in that as well. Yeah. Well, my husband and I, um, when we speak on marriage, we often introduce ourselves that we're Mark and Jill Savage, and we've been married for, uh, 39 years, 29 of them happily. And we don't, um, we don't mean that there were 10 bad years in a row. What we mean is there were a few hard months and then things would get better. And then there were a few hard years and things would get better. And then there were some hard seasons and things would get better. And so, um, it was very up and down very, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, we both are very different people. So differences played into that. We had very different upbringings and not only very different upbringings, but my husband was raised in a traumatic upbringing. So abusive. Um, uh, it was a, a very difficult environment to come out of. And we had no idea how much baggage he was carrying from that and how it was affecting not only him individually, but our relationship. Um, he also struggled with depression and anxiety. And um, so we were dealing with that. So, um, all of that, uh, was the ups and the downs, but, uh, my, my husband was a pastor for 20 years. And then in 2010, he left pastoring. He, um, really felt like he was burned out. It was time, 
for a change. And so um, he loved handyman work. And so he launched his own uh, construction and handyman business. And um, we had no idea how much his identity was wrapped up in pastoring. He would have said it wasn't until it wasn't there. And so I saw him begin to emotionally spiral um, between uh, the summer of 2010 through the summer of 2011. Um, and looking back, we now know he was really having a full-on midlife crisis. Um, and in 2011, he began to have an affair. And um, I didn't discover it for several months. And even after I discovered it, he was very hard-hearted. I mean, this was not the man I knew. This was not the marriage um, I had experienced. Um, and eventually he left. Um, he left the kids and I. At this point in time, um, our three oldest kids are in uh, their 20s. And our two youngest are teenagers still at home. And so um, I was... I mean, this was a dark year. This was a dark, dark year. But every time I asked the Lord what to do, I begged God to tell me what to do. I heard only one thing. I want you to love him. Like that was it. And I remember the first time that I heard the Lord say that and it wasn't like there was this voice in heaven, you know, just called out to me, but it was like, I was asking God what to do. And that thought came in my head and I knew it wasn't from me because <laughs> I wasn't feeling loving. No, that, yeah. that must've been very hard to hear it, because yes. I mean that who wants to continue loving someone that's hurting you. Yeah. And it was the first time I heard that was like two days after I had discovered the infidelity. And so, I mean, it's fresh, it's raw. And so I, I remember saying to the Lord, I, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but he's not real lovable. And the Lord answered my heart back. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but sometimes you aren't either. And I was like, okay, Lord, you love me when I'm unlovable. I don't know how to do that. You're going to have to show me how. And God began to take me on a journey to learn to love in a deeper way. And he eventually took me to Romans 12, nine through 21. And, you know, we don't have time to go through it. I actually have a whole podcast episode on just that. Um, I walk people through Romans 12, nine through 21, and it, I call it how to have unhumanable love. And it's how to love someone who's hard to love. And, you know, that might be your mother-in-law, that might be a neighbor, it might be a friend, it might be one of your kids, it might be your spouse. And so um, God taught me, what I realized is I knew how to love someone who was loving me back. I didn't know how to love someone who wasn't loving me. And so God like taught me that at a deeper place. And, and I was standing for our marriage. I believed that if my husband would return to God, he would return to his marriage. And it took a year, but on Easter Sunday of 2012, my husband had his own personal resurrection. Um, it was the oddest thing. He had literally just announced to me that he was going to file for divorce that week. 
uh, he and it was um, Easter Sunday morning. Our boys had gone to, to school or uh, to church ahead of, well, my husband and I were separated, but he had actually stayed the night at our, in our home that night because we just had a grandbaby and we returned from Chicago and traveled together just out of logistics. I had taken the train up uh, to be with our daughter when the baby was born. Our husband brought the two boys up to, to meet the new baby. And then we all traveled home awkwardly together. And, um, and so he had actually stayed at the house because we'd gotten home at like two in the morning. So we're just having, uh, we get up in the morning and he says to me, I just want you to know I'm filing for divorce this week. And I was at a stage where I was learn. I was just really saving my words until the Lord would give them to me. Like, honestly, I've misused my words in the past. Mark and I now call it, we're Mark and Jill 2.0. And I love that. <laughs> and, and, and so um, in order for there to be a Mark and Jill 2.0, there has to be a Jill 2.0 and a Mark 2.0. And so part of my 2.0 was I had misused my words in the past. And so I was learning to measure them, uh, be very careful with them. And so I didn't even know what to say to, you know, I'm filing for divorce this week. And so I just prayed, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. And the only words that God gave me was, you know, Mark, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He, he asked God to take it from him, but then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And, and it was the weirdest thing, Mark, kind of like his eyes just kind of woke up and he was like, is today Easter? He didn't even know what day. I mean, he didn't have a clue. He was so checked out of life. And I said, yeah, it's Easter. And he just sat there for the longest time. And he said, I'm going to pray that prayer. And he later told me that he felt like he literally kept a list of everything wrong with our marriage, like a physical list. Wow. But he says most of it was what was wrong with me. And, um, and so he said, it was like the Lord said to him, Mark, if you'll trust me for the list, I'll take care of the rest. And he said, I'm going to pray that same prayer. And he prayed a prayer of surrender that Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Like he was just like, the mess was so big that he'd made, but he just felt like the Lord said, if you'll surrender, I will lead you out of this. And I'm going to tell you, I saw a difference come over him and he, he literally looked up from praying and said, could we go to church? And he hadn't been to church in six months. And I said, sure. You know, I was like, what just happened? And so we went to church and he asked if he could spend the day with the boys and I, and I said, sure. And by that evening, he said to me, I can't even hardly remember what's on that list. I, it has no hold over me. And so that began our healing journey. Um, I certainly witnessed something happen, but at that point I didn't trust him. And you need to know that he had actually left the other relationship and returned to our marriage six times before this, but it would only last for a week or two. So I didn't trust it. 
but at, I knew something different had happened. So it took um, a year and a half, almost between a year and a half and two years for us to completely heal and rebuild trust in our marriage. But we did. And we, um, as I said, we now view ourselves as Mark and Jill 2.0. Um, in 2015, we started sharing our story publicly. We eventually wrote No More Perfect Marriages um, to share lessons learned in our journey, lessons that we were like, gosh, I wish we would have known this before. So could we help other people know this before they end up in a crisis? And if they are in a crisis, can we help them get out of that? And so it's really now become our life's work. Um, we, I would say 80% of the time we uh, spend our time as marriage coaches. Um, we host marriage intensives in our home. So a couple comes to our home on a Friday and then, um, we work only with them. We're one of the few marriage intensives out there that aren't group intensives. We're, um, an individual intensive. We only work with one couple at a time, but we dig into their dynamics, their challenges, their issues, and, um, have just seen it to be, it's the most rewarding work. Mm. Um, we just absolutely love it. Oh my gosh, Jill, you said so many different things I'm trying to write <laughs> notes because listen, there's just what was once broken turned into such a beautiful thing for other people that, I mean, let's just look at the whole picture of it. You guys were broken and now you are mending in restoring other people's relationships in the, what I heard was if you are in a bad relationship right now, people that are listening there comes a time when you either you have a choice, surrender the whole thing to God. And I, and what Jill also did was she put the lens of God's eyes on her husband and the situation, because listen, in our human strength, we're going to hate, we're going to be disgust. We're going to be full of rage and anger. Yeah. All the bad negative things that the devil wants us to feel, because that's what makes him happy. When God says, daughter or son, you're not perfect either. You, you, you're never going to be perfect. Put my lens on and look at you the way I look at you, look at him the way I'm looking at him and surrender it all to me because I can turn what's broken and make it beautiful and restored and transformed in every single way, which yes. is for you. And Jill, the, the difference is though, and I have goosebumps, you believed bigger than yourself. You believed that this could happen. You stayed true to your marriage. And if you remember what you said in the beginning of this podcast, you said when you were 19 or 20, something like, wait, where did I write it? You wrote, you said, I wanted to have an intentional home environment, be intentional in my home environment. Now, I know you were talking about the babies and being a mom, but mm -hmm. still God heard that and God hears us in you wanting to be intentional in your home. I just love this story so much, how he restored everything for you because you stuck and stood by not only God, but your husband. Yeah. And you know, Kelly, there's a couple things in there that I think are super important. One, you are so right in seeing the other person through the lens of God's eyes, because, and we work with this with a lot of the, either the individuals that we coach, um, 
the people that take our courses, we've got a couple courses. One's the rebuilding trust course. And another one's called the weight is not wasted. And it's for people who are standing for their marriage. And, um, and what we talk about this is that, um, it is so important that we see the other person through God's eyes and not the lens of our own hurt, because, um, you're right. That's where the flesh takes over. And what we want to do is we want to walk in the spirit. Um, it says in Romans eight, five, that those who set their minds on the things of the flesh will experience death, but those who set the minds on their minds on the things of the spirit will experience life and peace. And here's what I learned. I am grateful that my husband responded to the spirit's call on his life. Mm-hmm. Not everybody ends up with that kind of an ending because had he not, there might've been a place where I would have had to make a decision that it was unhealthy. It, you know, it was toxic for me to continue in this relationship, mm-hmm. but I learned in this season that even when it's not well with our circumstances, it can be well with our soul. And that I began to really walk that out. And I believe Kelly, that God could re he could have redeemed this no matter what direction it went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, if, if I, if my husband had not you know, a lot of times women are like, I feel like God's not doing anything. And, you know, especially if they're standing for their marriage. And I'm like, I can promise you God is at work. Mm-hmm. His word tells us he's at work. In John five, it says my, my father and I are always working. I can tell you he's pursuing your husband, but, um, I, what I, what, what's happening is your, your spouse isn't responding to that pursuit. And so, Um, either way, God could have redeemed it in my heart. Um, and he could have redeemed it in my life. I'm grateful that my husband responded and therefore the redemption, we're able to experience it together. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the difference. He, he responded and you're right. The outcome is always in God's hands, no matter what, but still be prayerful. Think absolutely. Give it your all and know that God can make a way when there seems to be no way way. all the time. So have the faith and the hope and the trust. And if things don't work out, guess what? That could be God closing the door for you for bigger and better things on the other side too. So, you know, but surrendering and it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy for you, for all that you've been through, which was really tough, but what came out of that, the glorious, the glorious relationship you now have. So is there any, I mean, cause you're the relationship expert, but do you think there's anything specific that can make a marriage or a re- relationship successful? You know, if there was one thing you could say, do you have, and is there anything or are we all yeah. just- No, I think that, um, I think the majority of couples that struggle, um, don't understand the dynamics of their own upbringing and how it's still affecting their marriage. Mm. And that 
is I think people downplay it. I think they minimize it. I think they don't understand it. And when we had to put the broken pieces back, okay, we've been married at that point in time, uh, 28 years, okay, 28 years. And we, the biggest change that we made in uh, becoming Mark and Jill 2.0 was dealing with our junk in the trunk Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with our marriage. Mm -hmm. That had nothing to do with our marriage. So for my, for myself, it was, um, I, I grew up in a loving home, loving family. They were my cheerleaders. I, they believed I could do anything. However, we were the buck up family. So if life got hard, you bucked up emotions were not, um, emotions were not valued in our family. And so, um, accomplishment was, uh, facts were, but not feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I shut my emotional side of me down a long time ago, which when you do that, it actually makes you not a very compassionate person. So I, uh, didn't uh, know how to be compassionate with myself or to offer compassion to others, because I was always of the belief that you just need to buck up. You just need to, you know, that's the answer to everything. So that was playing out, not only in my life personally, but in my, in my, it was affecting my relationships, right? Um, my husband, uh, because of the environment that he was raised in abusive, um, uh, it just stripped him of his value. So he had these messages that that were always going on inside his head. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Um, he had, um, uh, rejection messages of rejection. So no matter what I would say, he would view it through the lens of rejection. Um, uh, anything that was happening in the work environment, he would view it through the lens of rejection. And so these dynamics were constantly playing out in our relationship. And it was when we got rid of the old messages, when we identified what they were and we held them up against God's truth Because, you know, I remember being in a counselor's office and the counselor saying, Jill, you say feelings don't matter. You've said it a million times, you know, where, where did that lie? Where was that lie planted? And I was like, that's a lie. I don't think it's a lie. And he's like, it's a lie. Feelings do matter. And I was like, why do they matter? And he said, you were created in the image of God and God is a feeling God. So you have this part of you that's undeveloped and, and you are, are missing the balance. Yes. He gave you a good brain and you're logical and you have this strength, but he gave you a softness that you haven't yet really explored. So I had to realize I am emotionally immature. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I got to get after this. Yes. But you yeah. need to be aware of it. And I think that's the difference. People tuck things down. They hide their feelings. They, they don't want to address the past, first of all. Nobody does because it's ugly and dark and whatever. 
every, you know, everybody goes through so many different things. It could be very traumatic. So who wants to bring that to the surface? Most of us don't, but, but it's do, leaking out yes, all the time. A hundred percent. And I, and that's I, why when you ask me if there's anything couples can do, it's like, get, yeah. get the help to dig into this. So you yes. can put it behind you. Right. I mean, you don't have to, I mean, honestly, you know, we don't even have to think about it anymore now that we've done the work. So do the work, but then you can move past it. If you think that just ignoring it is moving past it, uh-uh, it's coming out. It's coming out in some way, in yep. some way, as it always does. Well, I love that. And that's a really good tip, if you want to call it, or if you're struggling in your marriage, your relationship and wondering why, maybe this is something you need to start with and start addressing. But I want to jump over to, since you are an author of 14 books and bestseller author, bestselling author, do you have a favorite that you wrote and tell us about it and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have a book that probably is, yeah, my favorite is Real Moms, Real Jesus. And the reason it's my favorite is I took a journey into the gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love biographies. Like I love, I love to read biographies of anyone's life. And I realized I'd never read the gospels as a biography of Jesus. And so I began to do that in one season of my life. And I began to see how Jesus understood and understands our human experiences, but particularly for me, how Jesus understands our life as mothers, uh, for those of us that are moms, uh, because I started to just see some of his experiences that are like, oh my gosh, he gets me. Like there's a verse in the Bible that says large crowds followed him everywhere he went. It's like, that is a mother's life. These little children follow her everywhere, including the, you know, finger fingers under the bathroom door. Right. Um, people were calling him all the time. Uh, Jesus, will you do this? Jesus, will you do that? And for us, it's mom, mom, mom. Um, and, uh, you know, he, it says, uh, many stories that talks about Jesus being so tired that he fell fast asleep. And as moms, we are just exhausted. So, and then you get into, you know, you don't have to be a mom to uh, see that Jesus's friends let him down. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, will you pray with me? They said, we'll pray with you. And then he found him asleep. Uh, Judas betrayed him. We've probably all experienced some form of betrayal where somebody has uh, betrayed us or let us down. So our God understands us. So I love that book because I believe it brings God alive. And my, my mom read that book when she was 72 and told me that it completely transformed her perspective. So it's one of my books that is kind of timeless. I mean, I initially wrote it for young moms who were dealing with little kids that were hanging off of her. And, you know, on the front of the cover is a, a, a just a, a big load of laundry, you know, so it's like just the everyday stuff of life. But I, um, I've come to understand it really is a timeless book and it applies to anyone in any season of life. Oh, I love it. I can't wait to get my copy. I love the title, Real Moms, Real Jesus. I mean, that's, 
I'm very excited about it. So I'm glad that's your favorite one because I have a lot of mom listeners too. <laughs> we need to know we're not alone in any of it. Sometimes we feel so lonely, but ladies, you know, we're not alone and Jesus is right there. If you yep. just ask him to help you through Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep. So um, this is just an amazing conversation that we've had, Jill. I feel so blessed by so many things that you've said. I feel encouraged and I feel hopeful. And so what a blessing. I want to end with my final question. And it is, what is your secret to climbing higher in life? Mm, I would say um, staying on my knees in prayer. Um. I know nothing. <laughs> I think the more we begin to understand that we know so very little, but God knows so much. Um, I don't know what to do here, but I know the one who knows what to do. And I think that's really, that's the key. Uh, that was such a perfect ending. <laughs> I love that advice. I didn't expect that. That was so perfect. I love it because I, I don't know anything either. And sometimes we think we know it all. And then we go down the wrong path or we're doing the wrong. And we wonder why we're here. Stop. He knows everything. Oh, that was so perfect and so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your heartfelt story, everything else that you shared to help my listeners just keep on climbing in their relationships mm. and in their motherhood and all things through Christ. So where can they connect with you if they want to find your books and find your programs about marriage and relationships? Yeah, yeah. They can uh, head over to markandjill.org, markandjill.org. Um, jillsavage.org gets them there too. They both go the same place. Um, and there um, you can, uh, depending on what season of motherhood you're in or what scenario in marriage you're dealing with. And then we have three free eBooks right on the front page of our um, website. So you can also tap into some free resources right away. Wow. Amazing resources. Go and grab those right now, you guys. I'm sure you'll Definitely feel blessed by them. Well, Jill, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Addicted to the Climb. And thank you all for listening today. I really hope a lot of this resonated with you and you feel hopeful and encouraged by the conversation we had because we are not perfect, but we know who is and who yep. can make a way. So thanks for tuning in today. Thanks, Jill, for being here. And until thanks next for week, having me. You're welcome. Until next time, you guys, keep on climbing. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for being here every week because my goal is to always empower and inspire you so you can keep on climbing even when life gets tough. If you felt blessed today, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And one of the ways you can help me is if you would leave me a five-star rating and a review. This is really how I can help more people just like you. You can do this right on your podcast app on your phone. It's super easy. It will only take one minute. Also, if you want to be part of my private community on Facebook, head over there to Faith fuel and fitness and I'll meet you inside or you can even head over to my website kellytian.com 
to get more inspiration and resources to keep you on your own climb. Thank you again and have a healthy and happy week.